We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. He turns. He fires for the win. He's got the bucket at the buzzer. Weather back to Bibby. Has the open shot. Ladies and gentlemen, up on those feet, put those hands together. And we'll meet tonight starting five for your Sacramento Kings. Welcome to the Kings Beat Podcast. I am James Ham, Kings Insider for ESPN 1320 and the Kings Beat. Joining me. Fox 40s, Sean Cunningham. Sean, how are you? I'm great, James. A little deprived of sleep, but I did get to see the big beam, the purple beam. I exited the building around 1.30 last night, and it was on. And I took a picture, a video, posted it, and literally as I'm posting it, they shut that bitch off. <laughs> right as I was like complimenting them from keeping it on. Shh. Shut that B off. Yeah. <laughs> 30 uh, seconds. <laughs> All right. Uh, and we also have Brendan Nunez from the King's Pulse podcast. Brendan, how are you? You've had a power outage. You're in your new place. Everything looks cool. Uh, Jemias is back with us. What's going on? Uh, yeah, they let me out of captivity. So that's a plus. Apparently, the Kings had to get uh, close to the top offense in the league before I was going to be let free. And and that's where we're at. But I'm still working on my background and everything and getting everything set up in my place. But I am in my place. This is a lot better setup than what I was dealing with. So Awesome. Uh, Brendan has moved into his new place. Um, I'm going to give a shout out. Uh, I ran into uh, Wes Wilcox and his uh, his three children at the game on, well, last night, Thursday night. And uh, they're still listening. They find it humorous when Sean curses. Uh, yeah. he, but... They're younger than I thought they are, so Sean, you got to watch that because <laughs> these are the Utes are impressionable. It's okay; <laughs> it toughens them up. It gets them ready for what they are going to experience in school. <laughs> uh, yeah, they're um, they're at that age where they're probably just starting to hear all the things that Sean says, uh, but they definitely um, they like the show and they were all uh, very very cool. Um, so shout out to the Wilcox children. Um, okay, so let's just get the business out of the way. If you're watching on YouTube, if you could, please give us a thumbs up. Uh, subscription would be nice down below. 
Uh, also, the King's Beat. Uh, jump on board with the King's Beat. Um, Kingsbeat.com. Uh, all of that is down in the links down below. Become a premium subscriber to the King's Beat so you get invited to the happy hour. We're still working on the happy hour, but it's coming. Trust me. Uh, it's just working through semantics of schedules and stuff like that, uh, especially with the holiday coming up. Um, outside of that, uh, like... I know we'll probably start with this discussion um, real quick before we get into the fact that the Kings have won five in a row and that they're playing like crazy. Um, but uh, like, I think we've become reliant on Twitter over the last, uh, I don't know, 13 years that I've covered the team. It's been such a huge function of what we do. And uh, I know Sean hates the Twitter box, um, but uh, I don't hate the Twitter box. <laughs> It's a necessary uh, evil. It is a necessary evil, but it's very possible that this thing could die. And uh, I, I you don't think know. you think it will. I mean, I know a lot of people speculate, and I just have a hard time. I think it's going to really dip in in popularity for sure, and I think that could be a good thing. Um, but yeah, I, I, is, do you think it's it maybe becomes MySpace? Is MySpace still around? <laughs> I don't know. Couldn't, <laughs> couldn't tell you. It, it just, was for a while. It was for like a long, long time, you know, even when it wasn't all that relevant anymore. Poor Brendan's looking around like, what the hell is MySpace? What's MySpace? No, yeah. no, my, no my, my uncle had a MySpace. <laughs> I remember that. I have never hmm. had a MySpace. Yeah. Uh, you, you don't know what a top eight, top 24 could be. You know, it sounds... Those were decisions that had to be made, man. No, I don't. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. That was kind of like the phone thing, right? Where you could have your five. Uh, the people that you, uh, your five focal point people in your oh, phone. Oh, James was, James was rich. He had one of those phones. Or, <laughs> I, I, no, I don't think I had that. <laughs> but but it used to be that you could set like the five or ten numbers that you use all the time, and then they didn't count towards your minutes. And, and so it <laughs> used to be that you had to worry about minutes. Now, I mean, what's yeah. happened with, with phone data and stuff like that? Um, but uh, I use Twitter a lot. Um, I always have, uh, it's a good way to communicate with the fan base, but you know, I use it for my takeaways. I use it to live, uh, you know, live tweet during games. And, um, I actually would be sad if it goes away because I think it is a, it is a tool that, um, you know, someone who, uh, has a newsletter and a podcast and, and covers games and goes on the radio. Like, I think it's valuable for what I do. Um, and I hope it doesn't go away, but it looks a little shaky. I don't, could you imagine spending like, well, first of all, I don't think any of us could imagine spending like $46 billion on anything. But if you, if you spent $46 billion and then you screwed it up in like, like a month and destroyed what you just purchased, uh, that would be a little jarring. I don't know. I mean, it definitely would be shocking. It's also hard to imagine somebody spending $44 billion and then it just totally going to crap. Like... I don't know. I've obviously seen everything around and, and we'll see what ends up happening. In my mind, if if Twitter ends up being non-existent or, or just not functioning the same, something else would come up and, and kind of fill the void. But it, it would be interesting. I mean, I kind of got to this point through Twitter in the first place, to be honest. Like I just started talking about Kings on Twitter and slowly networked and worked my way up. So it would be interesting. Well, we'll see what ends up happening. Dude, I... I I know more than two people. I mean, honestly, I, I probably need more than one hand. Like, I know people who have had, who've met their their partners, their their husbands, or wives on Twitter. You know, it's 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 
it's such a part of people's lives. But, you know, coming from, you know, corporate America media where uh, you look at the usage rate of social mediums, it, it shockingly enough rates among the lowest uh, of all the social mediums, which is why I am so encouraged that if, let's say something happens to Twitter and I'm an idiot, so I'm going to try to eloquate, you know, try to communicate this as best as possible, but I feel like it's one of the more basic platforms there is. It's a brilliant search engine. It, to me, it's the best search engine, even better than Google, because you can find stuff that happens in real time. And for me, I'm encouraged that if something does happen to Twitter, I have faith that some of these other social mediums, be it Instagram, Facebook, Combo, or Meta, whatever you, whatever they go by now, um, Instagram has looked at TikTok and all these other platforms, and they've been able to, okay, well, we, we're not Snapchat, we're not TikTok, but they can create their version of it. And in my mind is kind of a one-stop shop for a lot of that stuff. I feel like you can, one of these companies will be able to emulate what Twitter does and ultimately have a replacement because they know there's a popularity. They know, they, they know that there's a need there. And I think it's already probably in the works. Someone's got to be trying to do working on something to make Twitter work for their platform or a version of Twitter that works for their platform. Um, it, it I also just can't believe that someone as smart or as crazy genius as Elon Musk would just totally shut it down. So I feel like cooler heads will prevail, but wild times over there, huh? Yeah, wild times, wild times. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really interesting if you look at just the impact that it's had. And um, we were talking about this at the at the dinner table last night. At, uh, maybe it was at halftime, right? Um, it's crazy. Like, I remember when Os Osama bin Laden was shot and killed— um, that came out like 45 minutes on before anywhere else on Twitter. It was on Twitter, and we were watching like, oh, what's going to happen? You're looking at all the news sources. No one has it. It was on Twitter like 45 minutes before, and uh, it, it's kind of become, you know, like what would a Woj bomb look like if it wasn't on Twitter? Uh, you know, I, again, I, I think it could really change the dynamic of, of media in general, and um, that's something that I think, you know, again, we we here at the local level push all the time that just the national voice versus the local voice, um, you know, teams give access all the time to national writers that they just they aren't giving the same access to local writers. And I think it played out like in real time on Tuesday and when, you know, like the Kings absolutely drubbed the Brooklyn Nets. And every national story had nothing to do with the four-game win streak. It had nothing to do with the fact that Kings were over 500. It had everything to do with the the fact that Kevin Durant dragged his entire team under a bus, and you know backed over him six times. And uh, yeah, so I, I think maybe it would change the dynamic of how we deal with stuff here at the local level, at the the way that you consume your news, even if it's like all of a sudden I've got to go back to more of a conventional beat writing. Uh, point of view when I'm dealing with um, with things like the the King's Beat newsletter, like how many how many emails do you want from me a day? Because uh, you're used to seeing, you know, 15 tweets. Uh, like I'm not going to send you 15 emails, but you know, when things are happening in real time, I will block you. I will block yeah. you if you do. <laughs> Sean will block me. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, I think it's interesting. Like just the way that we have to change. It, it might be a way that we have to change the way that we cover 
uh, a sports franchise. And well, I, and and the NBA is the one that where Twitter really soared and took off, and still in my mind just kind of dominates the the Twitter sphere and this Twitter sp- space. But you know, there's for as long as it's been around, I think people will find a new avenue, and I think it's not going to be a, a difficult thing to replace. Uh, I mean, you look at what's happening on, uh, you know, I don't dive into TikTok at all, but I do see it on Instagram. You know, you have all these ways to cross pollinate and then Discord has become such a big thing. Reddit is such a huge thing. I don't I don't think it would be difficult for one of those companies to create some sort of real time version of Twitter. And it, it at this point, you know, there's not only a lot of, you know, people in, in media and um, politics and celebrity who are really kind of analyzing their involvement with Twitter and whether or not they want to be in that place, particularly when you have people who can kind of be an imposter and try to try to play you, you know, and it's, it's opening itself up to that. And we've already seen that happen. Um, and it's kind of, it's kind of funny that I understand what they want to make money and the blue check thing, which I ultimately don't really care all that much about. I, I am verified on 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 both Twitter and Instagram and that's not a humble brag it was something that even when it happened I was like are we sure we want to do this as me as me as for reporters and stuff like that because our companies want to verify their people and there's a reason for doing so because you want to make sure that your information that you're putting out there is coming from a legit source and you already see people impersonating LeBron James and, and Elon Musk for that matter um, the blue check has weight to it. I think there's some clout that people love about the average person, which they had, but when you give them the access to that and then they want to turn around and put, okay, you have your blue check, but now we have a gray box that says official. Now people are going to want the the gray box, right? It's, it takes the cool factor from it. So, um, I don't know what the answer is. I, I just hope that, you know, maybe you leave well enough alone, cooler heads prevail and they reassess, but I do think something else can pop up along the way and maybe it's, something we'll be talking about 10 years from now that that we'll say twitter huh we'll be tweet speaking of twitter as if it were myspace and the next brennan nunez will go what the hell is that um <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah i mean we have a discord channel for the king's beat but it's something do that we? i haven't do? Uh, yeah but it's something that i haven't like sat there and and uh like nurtured because i i am so like i was told by someone who like social media experts that we had at, at NBC, like, look, whatever you do well, just do that. You don't need to do every platform. You don't need to be on on Instagram or, or super active on Instagram or on Facebook if you're really good at Twitter. And since you have a big following and a like an engaged base on Twitter, just stick with that. That's fine. So it's hard for me to shift gears because I already spend too much time on these platforms and try to like add something new and so but that doesn't mean that i can't and that we can't just like blow up and and, and expand the the discord channel on the king's beat and it's something that like we probably will consider here very soon uh especially with everything that's happening but just kind of interesting right um yeah I, I did not think that we would spend this much twitter time talk. On, on twitter talk but uh yeah, I think even like Brendan is going through the same thing I did when I was a young journalist where you're building a following on social media. Like, and if that's not there, how do you build a following? And it, you're just going to have to be creative. We're all going to have to be creative in how we get our news and stuff if, if something does dramatically happen here. Um, all right, let's get to the, the Sacramento Kings. Um, 
Brennan, I'm going to start with you because um, you haven't had the, like you haven't been in Sacramento through all the good and the great times, but um, when you were sitting there um, at the game last night and like mid fourth quarter, you started hearing the chants of light the beam and the place is ruckus and crazy and nearly sold out. Just like, what are your thoughts? Because I mean, you're getting to experience, like, I, I think what people forget is the true Sacramento Kings fandom, how, how engaged and how incredibly special this fan base is, but you're getting to see it for the first time. Yeah. I mean, my first experiences of golden one center were Bagley's summer league and the place went crazy for for his dunk and that whole year the jaeger year they were the fan base was really engaged and, and i remember that standing out to me a lot that a, a team that had been struggling for so long had such a great fan base and energy in the building and honestly last year it kind of had died down i felt like you know i think there was a lot of reasons the team had been struggling and obviously had been for years but that sort of just continued the games were really poor to watch obviously uh, COVID restrictions played into that as well. But to see the fan base pick back up like it has um, and rally behind this this team that's successful now won five in a row, eight of their last 10. And for it to be a Thursday night against one of the three worst teams in the Western Conference, like I think I was sitting there with, with Frankie Cardicelli like five, 10 minutes before the game. And I was like, man, there's not all that many people in here. End of the first quarter, like you said, it, it felt like it was a borderline full stadium and it got loud in there. Um, so, I mean, for the fan base to be, to be rallying around these guys is, is awesome to see. I, I knew that the fan base was great here, but to see that just kind of fully come to fruition and again, then be backing a team that is, that is really playing great basketball right now. And, and coach talks about it post game, the players talk about it post game, how much it means to them and how much it energizes them. Like it, it's been an amazing vibe and energy in that building for good reason. Yeah, Sean, I mean, you've got to cover the the best of the best. Like, I, I mean, I, I went to, I was at the 90, the 96 playoffs against uh, Seattle. Um, I went to plenty of playoff games from 1999 until 2006. Uh, I was in the building when, like, sort of the last hurrah, when Kevin, uh, Kevin Martin hit the layup against Tim Duncan. Um, mm. You know, and I was in there during, like, Western Conference Finals. Um like there's a, like something special about this fan base and the way that, you know, like Arco, I used to, I've said this a million times, but it used to feel like it was alive during the playoffs. Like the building itself, you'd walk in and like you, the buzz was so incredible that you would get like the hair would raise up on your arms. And I, I just always felt like it was such, such a special place. And we've been kind of waiting for that at, at Golden One. And I, I think the... Golden One feels a little more like sterile and like concrete and, you know, it's going to have a tough time getting that full buzz, but still it's an incredibly loud building. It was built to be loud. Uh, the acoustics are built to, you know, funnel the noise back to the middle of the court. Um, and just like Sean, where are you at, you know, what we've seen in the past from where we are today and, and where this thing can go? Yeah, I mean, I I love it. You know, it, it's what it shows that the community still cares about this team, and it, I think it's a reminder of how fragile that it really, truly is. That you know, civic pride and and people wanting to spend hard earned money 
um, all the hurdles and, and challenges is life that, that come people's ways. And yet they can still come out on a Thursday night at seven o'clock and sell out a building. Um, there's nothing else really going in Sacramento and it's the best meeting place there is at that arena. And, um, the, to, to see that it didn't take much, a little bit of retooling, reshuffling of the roster and, uh, a five game win streak that hasn't happened in a while. And, there's a buzz, man. There's a real buzz around this team. And, and um, a lot of these things that, that I kind of alluded to it in the last podcast, which is so great to see how these organic moments happen, be it a Band-Aid on Malik Monk's face, Mike Brown hollering back at his at his player during media day, um, this light the beam, huge lightsaber that, that shoots off into the sky, uh, and you got people chanting and and – it's great. And, and just selfishly, you know, I mean, I'm born and raised in Sacramento. Uh, I, I, you know, I love this town and, um, I, I, I work with a lot of people in the news industry. News industry is a very nomadic lifestyle. You get people who come in for two years, they leave, they go to another market. Um, some stay, stick around for a little while. I always tell people that, you know, back in the day, even when the Kings were good, you'd get a lot of, you know, people it's well-documented drawing a superstar, a really great player can be difficult, particularly in free agency and the famous Chris Weber story about not wanting to be here. Guys come to Sacramento, not wanting to be here. Maybe it's a payday, whatever it is. Ultimately, they'd probably rather be somewhere else, but they're always crying on the way out because they don't want to leave. And, and it, it's, it's absolutely true. Some guy, I mean, look, there's some that are like, yay, send me off. Let me get out of here because it didn't work out for them. But the ones that it does work out for and the people that do fall in love with this, with this community, you've got people who, I use Brad Miller as an example all the time. Brad Miller, who is Mr. Indiana, hunting, fishing, had no idea that he'd ever call California home beyond playing in California. And guys still keeps a house here and, and lives here. Um, it, it's just, it's incredible. And, and the fans are a big reason because of that. There's such a, this community, is, I always say like Sacramento, it's, it's not too big. It's a big town. It's a big city with a small town feel. And um, everyone wants to always compare it to the way college basketball feels in the Midwest uh, or in like an ACC environment. And it, it's certainly true. And they are just starved for any monicum of success. And, they're they're getting it, man. They're getting it. They should be excited. Um, I think there were some people that took my comments the other day as as me bashing their excitement. No, man, that's not it. It's just you just want to temper it, right? You just want to temper it a little bit so that when they, if and when they do lose three straight, you're not slamming your head into the ground wondering why they're why the hell they're so bad after they've been able to win five straight against really good teams. Um, so yeah, some of those things come to mind and. Uh, I, I love it, especially just for how organic this this crowd is or this fan base is. Yeah, I, I agree like 100%. And, and I'll bring up too, like um, I, I saw like some of the, the comments and stuff and it was it was a tweet by one of your friends who started it on, on social media uh, <laughs> where they were kind of like bearing Sean here. Um, and, and It's all right. It, yeah, I know Sean can take it, but at the same time, I'm going to point out like, the reason why people like Sean and people like myself, we always try to pull back a little bit and say, wait, 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 is because the last time the Kings won five straight, they lost the next nine games. And like, there's always that. And I know that's dark, but there's always that <laughs> moment that you're waiting for when you cover a team like this. It's like, 
yeah, we've seen the dark times. We're hoping for better times. We're hoping for better times for the fans because it makes the whole night more enjoyable. When the, there's a buzz, like when there's 7,000 fans in the building, that is dreadful to cover. It, it just takes the fun out of it. Like we're there because we like to cover sports and we want people to have a good time. It's an escape and we want to see like, you know, the craziness, the the cameras going around the building, like showing these young kids that are getting into the game for the first time. Like there's a whole lost generation of Kings fans, like a 10 year gap, a 15 year gap that I don't know that they can ever get back because they chose the time to be just absolutely God awful at the same time that the Warriors decided to be like one of the greatest dynasties and the sport has ever seen. And so you've, you've got not only atrophy, but you also have like people who have jumped ship and like mm -hmm. understandable. And so now it's about building that back up. And, and I think what we're seeing is brilliant. I think the team itself is nuts. Uh, what we've seen the last two games, 153 points in one game, um, 130 the next night. Brendan, like, I, I brought some of those numbers to, like, <laughs> how in the world did Mike Brown tell his players that they weren't very good offensively last night when they finish up shooting, what is it, 78, 70, 57.8% uh, from the field, 40% from three, 91.7% from the free throw line. They basically put up a... A 58 40 and 92 stat line and mike brown's out there telling them they're not very good offensively not, not good enough <laughs> not good enough brandon what like i know you've been looking at the numbers because i have too yeah i mean it's part of what i i think has i think it's just part of mike brown like it he's constantly talking about trending upwards and always looking for ways to be better and he also talked about like he didn't expect he knew they'd be good on offense but he didn't know they would be this good and they've been ridiculous they're second in offensive rating stat muse has them as the third highest offensive rating of all time right now mm. which is <laughs> insane first is boston who's who's first right now this year um and then second would be the 2020 21 brooklyn team that i believe we're talking about kevin durant james harden and kyrie irving like the the offense that sacramento has right now is absurd and it's all predicated on their ball movement Everybody touching the ball. We, we've talked a handful of times on here that I think the Kevin Herter quote from the beginning of the year is, is perfect of the ball is power. And just when everybody is gets an opportunity to touch the ball and you know that if you give it up and relocate in the right way that it's going to come back around and the level of trust that all these guys are growing in one another, the coaching staff and the system, like the, the offense looks phenomenal. I think the best part about all this and the reason there's so much optimism, at least for myself, is that like this looks sustainable, you know, like they, they really look like they could be one of the best offenses in the league this year. And that will only carry you so far. They have to clean up their defense, um, but it is a damn good starting point. Yeah, Sean, I'll, I'll point this out. The Kings right now, this is, it's crazy. Like, the offensive stats are nuts. They are first in the league in two-point field goal percentage, and they are sixth in the league in three-point percentage. Like, there's almost nothing you can do to take away what they do. So if you want to focus on shutting down their perimeter game, which I think San Antonio tried to do. They, I mean, the Kings only shot, what was it, eight threes in the second half, Brendan? Yeah. Um, but then okay, that's fine. We'll just go at the rim and, and dunk on you a bunch of times. We'll just attack the paint, attack the paint, attack the paint. And then De'Aaron Fox, like I was showing Sean last night, he's shooting well over 50% in, 
from uh like from three to ten feet and from ten to sixteen feet it, like it's in the high well the mid fifties like fifty five fifty seven percent something like that like he's just not missing hardly at all on the mid range jumper it's nuts but Sean when we talk about teams that are really tough to defend we got the inside outside thing but I think the other uh, sort of component to their success is it's someone different it, it can be Fox or Sabonis but then who else is going to give you a bunch of points. And I think that that's what we're seeing, this ability to have so many different guys that can go for 20, 25, 30 each and every night. Yeah, equal opportunity. I mean, we've even seen it when, you know, if Sabonis is struggling or, you know, I think there was – Fox has been spectacular. There hasn't been many games where he hasn't really been a factor. You do have people stepping up, and it is someone new every every night. Um, and, and, and I think – it's because of this offense. I mean, Jay Triano is not getting enough credit for so for a lot of the offense that he's Im- implementing. And look, Mike Brown knows offense as well as defense, so I don't want people to get that twisted. But it a lot of it starts with speed. They can kill you outside. They can kill you inside. You mentioned it, James, with De'Aaron Fox. His mid-range is practically automatic at this point. I have so much faith in that jumper free throw extended. And um, <laughs> yeah, that that might that might wane a little bit. That might come down a bit as the season progresses and evolves but um, right now it's the way it's the way that they push and I think speed is one of the like yeah they're not a good defensive team there are subtle improvements that we are seeing especially in the transition like but they're using defense as a as a huge cog for their defense like I like how people will talk about how defense is leading to offense a lot a lot of times for a lot of good teams but it's almost like their offense leads to defense the way that they can if someone goes and gets a bucket they respond instantaneously like it's so quick especially when fox is on the floor to push back down there drive and and and, and get a layup or get get a dunk or just beat everybody back uh it it, it really takes off quickly and you know it, it's also shout out Harrison Barnes playing pretty well lately. I, I love seeing when he can get to the free throw line, especially for, as a team that isn't really known of getting to the free throw line so much. Um, right now things are clicking, and it's it 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 was my question after last night's game to a lot of these members of the team. It's like like I, I was using this example. I was talking to somebody in the Kings the other day about Minnesota, you know, and it's such a different type of offense, obviously, and they've got to try to try to get Rudy Gobert and and everything into they they were looking like a mess but they had a very easy schedule uh on paper for them to try to take advantage of it and they look clunky right out of the gate i think this is even mike brown admitted like it's kind of come together offensively a lot quicker than than even they had expected but i feel like it's a calling card like we talk about identity so much in sports that is your identity. You may want your identity to be this defensive team that's gonna that's gonna be physical and test people, but no, your identity is right now this this team that it can put points on the board, and hopefully you can do it better than the other team. Because we've we've talked about when you when you're a run and gun team, there are some teams that are built better to to be able to 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 do that play that game with you. There might not be. Maybe that's not true this year. Maybe the Kings are the ones that are built the best to play this brand of basketball, and I think it's their calling card. Yeah, um, I just so we have the numbers, I just looked up from uh, 3 to 10 feet, Fox is shooting 57.1% from the field this season. From <laughs> 10 to 16 feet, 59.5%. It's better. It's it's crazy. I yeah. mean, th- those are numbers where you're, and, and it's not on like, 
eight attempts. Like, he's really balanced. He's scoring at the rim. He's scoring in the mid-range. Um, and then, of course, he's he's also shooting the three ball at a high, well, at a decent clip. He he needs to tighten it up there. He 37.5. Uh, that's where he's at? Okay. Yeah, on 4.9 a game. Yeah, and um, like, Brendan, have you looked at the stats on what he's like as a catch-and-shoot player versus as a uh, off-the-dribble? Because they're pretty startling. And, and I think it leads to the other discussion of what we're seeing from the Kevin Herter catch-and-shoot and like some of these players, what they're doing is catch and shoot three point players, um, specifically because of the offensive style, the draw and kick, but also Sabonis. It is wild. It's it's absolutely nuts. I haven't looked at Fox. I haven't looked at Foxes specifically when it comes to catch and shoot, but like the Kings are are living on the three point line. <clears throat> Excuse me, and they're hitting the paint as well. There's really not much mid ranges. <clears throat> Jeez. But De'Aaron is one of the few guys, De'Aaron and Malik, it seems like, are the two guys that they're content with allowing to shoot mid-range jumpers. Um, but it's not happening very often. I mean, 44% of the Kings' shots are threes, and 89.7% of their made threes are assisted, which is the third highest rate in the NBA. They get the fourth most wide-open threes. And that's from the NBA site, which just means no defender within six feet. Um, and they're knocking down 40% of those. Like All of their top six guys in three-point attempts – are at very least 35% or higher. And that's that's Kevin Herter, 7.1 a game, 51%. Keegan Murray, 6 a game at 37.5. Monk, 5.5 a, a game at 37.7. We mentioned Fox at 4.9 a game, 37.5. Trey Lyles, 4.3 on 35.3%. Terrence Davis, 3.8 on 40.8%. And Harrison Barnes is struggling from three. Harrison Barnes at 25%. That's a guy that I have... No concern about his three-point percentage getting closer to, to a 35 40% by the end of the year. Like, this this team's shooting is absurd. And, and when I go through these names, none stand out to me as like, oh, this is an outlier and this is going to come back down to earth. Like, De'Aaron's 37% is the closest thing, but I think we've seen a lot of growth. You mentioned the mid-range numbers. I thought his mid-range really progressed throughout the course of last season, especially towards the end of last season. His mid-range, mid-range was really good, and he's carried that over and and put a lot of work into his jump shot with with Luke Lauchs throughout the course of this offseason. So, I mean, everything that I look at, like I don't see why the Kings can't keep up being one of the best offenses. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think everybody is kind of convinced that they're going to come down to earth a little bit, but, you know, maybe top five, maybe top eight. Um, but still, like the they're, way that they're not they're, leaving the top ten, they're not going to leave the top ten, in my no. opinion. Yeah. yeah, I totally agree. Um, I, I guess it brings us to like we're watching Harrison Barnes get back in the flow of things, and he does look much better. And he's had plenty of games where you're like, okay, that looks more like Harrison Barnes. Um, I don't think he's been as bad defensively as some people think that he's been. I haven't looked at the metrics yet to see where he's at, like through synergy or anything, just like compared to where he was last season. Uh, which I will do uh, in the coming days. But, you know, Mike Brown keeps saying that he has him as his second best defender as far as his rating system. Um, Mike Brown is still relying on relying on him heavily. Uh, this is kind of like the question that I had at the beginning of the season. What if they're good? And what if the chemistry is too good and you don't want to upset the apple cart? Because, I mean, again just to go back to what happened when the Kings traded Iman Shumpert, this team completely fell apart. And you always worry about this balance between uh, trying to make your team better and trying to take that next step and trying to find a, a long-term fixture 
and the chemistry that's already forming. Uh, where are you guys at with this? Like, should the Kings be looking? Because, I mean, we are already seeing that they, they have a hole that they need to fill. They need a shop locker. They need something that, uh, like a functional shop locker, someone who can play major minutes at the three or the four and give you some rim protection. But where are you guys at with this? Because um, we are going to get into that phase where, like, you don't want to mess with what's happening, and you also don't want to lose Harrison Barnes at the end of the season for nothing if that would happen. Harrison Barnes is uh, not washed, for what it's worth. Oh, oh look just at that. that. Saying. You want to go <laughs> buy a jersey now? My concern now? is Hold not on. here. My concern is not there anymore. He just needs to not have games where he disappears, and he hasn't had that recently. He had it early on, and he looks like he's grown comfortable with this system and where his spots are and the guys alongside him. Like I think we've seen everybody grow more comfortable. Um, but it, it's hard to kind of replace Harrison Barnes. It, it's very difficult to make trades in the NBA for two like players and teams that are both trying to to win now. And I think anybody that would be trading for Harrison Barnes would be trying to win now, and Sacramento's clearly trying to win now as well. It, it's just hard to find a deal where you're trading away a Harrison Barnes for another Harrison Barnes like archetype type of player. Um, so I, I think it's tough. And I mean, I didn't expect to be in the position, but I, I'm kind of leaning more towards it, it's still very early, obviously, but I'm leaning more yep. towards like you don't want to mess with this. It's very early, but like there's reasons to think there's internal growth that could take place also. Like Keegan Murray does not look all too comfortable at this point. Like I, I think he's had his moments, but he still looks like he's getting up to the speed of the NBA. He's going to be a really solid player down the line. Like Davion Mitchell's 24. Malik Monk is 24. Kevin Herter is 24. Terrence Davis is 25. Fox is 25. Like Sabonis is still 26. Like there's reason that you can look at this roster and talk yourself into there just being internal improvement with the squad they have right now. Yeah. Uh, Sean Fox has, does Fox have the same birthday as you? Yeah. Yeah, that's why we're both sarcastic pricks. Like we were cut from the same cloth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so he's t he's still twenty four uh, until until next month uh, when we'll celebrate Sean's birthday here on December twentieth. Um, yeah, and while we're at it, uh, like, look, if you're watching on YouTube, uh, give us a thumbs up. Um, and again, if you're listening on some other platform, uh, whether it's iTunes or Spotify or one of the millions of things that are out there at this point. Uh, giving us rating and reviews would really help us as well. But, uh, Sean, just Appreciate getting back to the, the discussion, um, like, what would you do? Because it, uh, Monty McNair is going to be faced with this. And uh, he's also faced with the fact that he doesn't have a contract after this year. And he's got to balance, like, everything that makes sense for, for the guys that are playing now, for the, the team that you want to build going forward, for himself. Um, and, again, I think it adds that wrinkle to it that – you know, if you're a GM who, who needs to win, you might not want to mess with chemistry. Yeah. The, the, his lack of a contract still doesn't bother me like it does some people because, again, he's not a coach. He doesn't have to, you know, win the respect of players. And all he has to do is go out there and like he could, if he wanted, if he chose to be and he doesn't, he could literally sit in a room all day and not see the players ever. The Billy Bean approach, which is like stay away from the players, um, so he doesn't have to do that. So I think he's going to be aggressive. I, I really do. I think he, even if, if even if his future, for whatever reason, isn't in Sacramento, he's playing for his next job. And uh, I, I, that's not to say that I think he's not going to be in Sacramento. By the way, I don't want anyone running with that. But 
I really feel like he's not treating his job any differently than if he had a 10-year contract right now. I really feel like he's going to do what's in the best interest of this team. He's got supportive ownership, and I think they're really going to be aggressive in trying to make this better. And if all of a sudden things are really clicking, and you can already see where they need improvement. Like, that's the thing. I, we've, we've talked about it in, in podcasts prior where it's like if you're already trying to identify what those are, well, it's clearly on the defensive end. There's clearly the rim protector. There's clearly probably a either a better version of Harrison Barnes or a solidified three. So um, they're even possibly a, 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 a stronger third point guard. So um, there's going to be moments of improvement. There always is. Um, and, you know, shooting is always at a premium. So... I think they're I think they're going to be aggressive. I think but you really want to give get a 20 to 25 game sample size before you really do too much evaluating. You know, I know these guys aren't aren't getting over their skis with this five game win streak, albeit it is fun. Um they know that there's there can be some tough sledding ahead, so uh, you know, the holidays are always a tricky time. I think I was talking to one executive the other day. They love to be on the road during the holidays and not at home during the holidays. And I told him, I said, well, buckle up for Christmas time, baby, because there's a lot of home games. And we saw what that looked like last year, James. We saw, guys, both of you, we saw that you didn't have the success you probably thought you would have around the holidays that when they were home. So um, there's some there's some moments ahead that, that they're bracing for. So I think all systems go right now. And you don't want to get – you don't want to believe too much in these crazy numbers. But you're right. What if they are good? That would be a very good problem to have. <laughs> It's not really yeah. a problem, but it'd be very good. Lucky us, right? Yeah, I, I think it's crazy. Um, I, I think, was it Tim Maxwell tweeted out some stat about when the last time uh, the Kings had won 8 out of 10? Um, I, I don't think they've won 6 in a row since like like 05, 06. 05. Uh, 05, okay. Uh, but then at the same time, they they haven't won 10 uh, eight out of ten, which is what they currently are on, a streak that they are on. Um, and I can't. What is the stat from? Um, let me see. I, I think I have it right here. Um, no, maybe I don't. Well, the five of six. I mean, you were the six. The five. The six game win streak. If it gets that high, I mean, they were a playoff team that year, so that that does bode well. Yeah. Well, I mean, that would also, if they somehow get to six, that would give them nine out of eleven. I mean that's that's impressive. Uh, I want to say it's it's two thousand three uh, since the last time mm. they've won eight out of eight out of uh, six out of eight. Uh, oh no, eight out of ten. Um, it's just wild. Like all yeah. of the sets that we're seeing, it's wild. So I think um, I don't know. What do you guys think? Uh, we've got a, a you know, of course Detroit will come into town on on Sunday, uh, where the Kings will go for their sixth straight win. Marvin Bagley will be back. Uh, Kojo will be back in the building for the first time. And, and a while um i don't well, know he kicked but, their ass last year though yeah he took uh yeah didn't he destroy he wed the game winner oh yeah yeah um i forgot about that uh yeah, man. but but you know you get that if if you don't overlook that team and you somehow get that win again it's the first time they've won in, like in in almost two decades that they've won uh six in a row um, I, I clearly have never covered a team that's won six in a row here in Sacramento, which is wild. Really? That's insane. Yeah. It, <laughs> yes, yes, Brennan. Tough that's sledding. Insane. It's been some. It's been a. It's been a road. Yeah, like I, I've never covered a six-game win streak. Yeah. I, I have covered nine head coaches. Um, I don't. I've covered. <laughs> so there's I've that. covered more head coaches than I have uh, a win streak, like the length of a win streak. Um, three in so. a three in a year. By the way, the Pistons. I think they're in a 
if I'm not mistaken, they get three and four nights. So you'll have them on the fourth game and uh, or the third game in four nights. And it's a three o'clock game, which I mean, you Ooh. need to come out and pummel these guys. Right. Or no, is it a three o'clock game? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's, it's a three, three o'clock game. And by the way, I was also looking at tickets on that. It's like really well sold. Like there's there's tickets available, but this this, this is gonna be a pretty packed house. It could be sold out. Yeah, I was uh, like I just wrote something and put it up about a, a lot of the numbers we're talking about, a lot of about some of the comments we had in post game last night, um, and and at the end of it, like I I don't think I like if you want to support this team, you need to start buying tickets because this is going to be a really really hard ticket to get. Like that's what it looks like to me. Like I, you can project out for Christmas, the, the month of December, where they do have a bunch of home games. Like people are going to be buying Christmas presents early for people nonstop, and it's going to be tough to get into a game um, if they keep doing this. Because I, again, I think Kings fans have been hungry and waiting for this for so long. Um, okay, we're we're not doing a super long podcast today. Uh, like we fit this in between all of our scheduling issues. Uh, Brennan had a podcast. Sean has. Uh, uh, high school football playoffs. I have uh, radio here coming up, um, but let's get to the business of basketball. Um, okay, so this team is is motoring along. They're doing really well, and I think there's a lot of excitement. But let's just get to the the biggest question: um, Do you think they are going to make a move? Are are they going to look at this right now and say? Ooh, we got something. We need to we need to bolster this thing. Um, and when you look at, uh, I'll just throw some things out. Uh, you know, again, Terrence Davis has played well in the last couple of games, but well, he had one really good game. Um, but he's a four million dollar uh, unrestricted free agent at the end of the season. Um, Alex Len is a four million dollar player uh, that's expiring. Rashawn Holmes is eleven, twelve million bucks. Uh, the reason I bring that up is all of a sudden. You're looking at like amassing a, what could amount to close to a twenty million dollar player if you went on the open market. I uh, throw in a couple of draft picks, and next thing you know, maybe you can make a run at somebody. Where are you guys at with what you think the Kings will do here, like in the short term? Like between uh, December fifteenth is a big date where players that you acquired during the summer can be traded, but like the Kings, that that's an imaginary date. Like you can make moves before that, and you certainly can make moves after that between then and like mid February. I'm not anticipating any moves before January 1st. I think they'll I think they'll ride this uh, for a while unless something goes really wonky. But I do expect a move before um, trade deadline. So, but to answer the question in a, just a short, brief way, I'm not expecting any moves uh, before January. Brennan, yeah, before January, I don't know. I mean, the only guy that stands out is Rashawn Holmes, right? Like Holmes is not a part of this rotation at the current point. I still think that. It, it wasn't long ago that I thought Holmes was a top 15 center in the NBA. And, and I think that on the right team, it sounds insane, but after it eight, does. like it really falls off after yeah. eight, you just reach a huge grouping somewhere around eight. Um, but I, I thought that he was really good. Not long ago, specifically on offense. If you, if you kind of run a lot of pick and roll and, and I think he's a switchable defender. Like I think that that's the guy I look at that could maybe see something. There was a, rumor yesterday about like pj washington for example charlotte doesn't really have an answer at center could there be something there i mean sacramento would have to throw in more which is where it gets complicated right like um we haven't mentioned davion mitchell by the way which i feel like he needs to be shouted out mike brown said that he changed the game yesterday against the spurs and malik monk said the same thing yeah end of the third beginning of the fourth 
Um, Davion went out there and just was a madman on defense. He, he was pestering San Antonio's ball handlers. I think he drew three offensive fouls um, it, it, and he totally carried that game. So like, is that somebody that you want to consider throwing in? Because if Sacramento is getting some, something substantial back, I don't know what the value in Holmes is right now. And when it comes to HB, like I'm starting to question of if you're playing well, could, could he end up sticking around beyond this? Is that somebody that are you sure you want to move? So I don't think before uh, January, uh, like Sean said, but I, I would expect something to happen with Holmes prior to the deadline. Yeah, um, I, I would agree with you. Uh, I, I think Holmes is a guy that, like, unfortunately, he just doesn't fit in. And, and then he was at shoot-around yesterday, but then um, had a non-COVID-related illness and missed a game. Um, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I don't know that that really matters because how many DMP CDs has he gotten a row before that game? Um, to be honest with you, I, he played a little bit at the end of the Brooklyn game, um, but that was the first time he played in, I don't know, four or five at least. Um, so like there, I think that this team still like you, you're looking around, you're trying to figure out if somebody's going to fall out quickly or if someone's winning too many games right now and maybe wants to take a step back and like, Hey, they're not comfortable with what's happening. You know, I think, you know, Utah is a team that they can say all they want, but at the end of the day, Utah does not want to be where they are. And like, would they consider a Lori market and trade? Would they consider like moving off one of their other pieces? Like, I think the Kings can sit here and, and look around and see if there's somewhere that makes sense for them to sort of strike and, and like put one more piece to make this thing work. Whether it's, uh, you know, a guy who is, you know, from six through eight in your rotation or a guy who's, you know, one through five in your rotation. I think there still are those possibilities with this team. Um, and I think that the team has some flexibility too, where they're looking at, well, can Kevin Herter hold down the three spot? It has, has he shown you enough at that position, um, that he can. And so I think we're, we still have like some feeling out to do here, but I, I kind of like the way the direction is going for sure. But also like, I think their mindset is going to be to like, we got to get this thing one or two more pieces to get over the top and to solidify who and what we can be as far as like uh, a seven seed, a six seed, you, you want to get away from that, uh, that play in tournament as much as possible to solidify yourself as a playoff team. And uh, I didn't think we'd be talking about this 14 games into the season. Um, but that's kind of where the team is pushing us. Right. Um, okay. Uh, we got to get out of here in just a minute. Um, do we have any final thoughts, Sean? What do you got? Sure. Yeah, I do. Um, my my five year old nephew, Nolan, got to experience his first Kings game. Uh, we talk about it like yeah, getting out there and supporting, and I think he got treated to an absolute fantastic game. Uh, and he got to see the beam and and, and was all happy, decked out in Kings gear. Got him one of the uh, media room cookies, and his freaking face lit up, bro. Like just just unbelievable. So yeah, he uh. Got to experience that. That was a fun moment. And um, I also got to spend some time with Dusty Baker this morning, Chris Tavares and I over at Fox 40. And uh, cool to see him back in town. He's a huge, huge Kings fan. His dad, and uh, you know, may he rest in peace, was a, was even bigger Kings fan, was a season ticket holder. And they still have their season tickets. And his son, Darren, who plays in the Nationals organization, is a huge, huge fan of the Kings. So um, shout out Dusty Baker back in town. Baker Family Wines. Uh, over in West Sac, if you want to check out his winery, I know they're going to have an event on uh, Saturday. I think it's at one. So if you all want to sneak by, it'd be kind of cool. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Uh, Brendan, final thoughts? 
Uh, I guess just that I am. You should really apologize. For you should apologize. For you know what you did. <laughs> what did I do? This man, uh, James. How I do you, did. James? How do you eat a hot dog? Oh no! <laughs> oh no! You know what know you did, you terrorist! You terrorist, <laughs> Al Qaeda. I'm a mustard dog fan, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. which is weird because when I was a kid, I did not like mustard at all. But yes, mm-hmm. I eat mustard on my hot dog, and that's fantastic. It. Okay, uh, I'll go a little ketchup, maybe in some sriracha and, and mustard. That's fantastic. Brendan, you want to weigh in? I'm a raw dogger. Jesus <laughs> Christ, Brendan. <laughs> Dirty. You asked a question. You, you threw me the love. I don't know what you expected. I did. Yeah, man. Can I just tell you the shock and awe on my face seeing him in the media room at halftime with a hot dog undressed in a bun and he's munching away. It looked like it looked as if it hadn't been cooked, bro. I don't even well, know that was an issue that has nothing to do with me. How do we get here? How do we get here? I mean, you like, knew I was do- gonna do it. We we do making fun of people in the media room for uh for God, double man. double dog uh, double dogging at halftime triple dogging at halftime, um which is a Tavares special. Uh, oh yeah, and, that dude eats and, anything. Yeah, that guy eats and eats. Um, we and need then, to bring him on, by the way. What a weird. Well, yeah, maybe we will. And then we also <laughs> we making fun of Leo because uh, Leo eats without. He's Leo. He eats hot dogs without buns, and it's like you're saving yourself Protein. the the carbs i don't know that there's that much protein in in hot dogs anymore uh but brendan final thoughts uh from the raw dogger go ahead (laughs) Uh, (laughs) i'm just really growing comfortable with sacramento and i am just loving it here more by the day you know I, i haven't been here as long as you two obviously and and just getting a lot more comfortable with the city and i love it here man it's starting to really start to feel like home and uh, I'm glad to be here. And obviously the team doing great is is an amazing thing to cover. But uh, I'm getting comfortable. And credit to you, too, for, for helping with that transition with me and everything. But um, I, I, I really like it here, man. So that's my final thoughts. Interesting. I was nice. thinking I was thinking you were impersonating Keegan Murray there for a moment. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, and I'll just finish with this. Uh, Keegan Murray back issue does not seem that uh big of a deal but He'll like I'm, I'm not sure if he's going to play on sunday or not we'll have to see um outside of that uh like ride the wave here this is a lot of fun take your kids out to a game and let them see the beam well hopefully the, the kings win that's that's the key to this all uh, the beam is only fun when they're winning because it doesn't go on when they don't um but like get your kids out there because this is one of those things where uh, this franchise has lost a lot of people, and this is an opportunity to get your kids back into it and, and let them experience some of the things that like I got to experience when I was younger, and I'm sure a lot of people out there who watch this pod were able to experience when they're younger. You know, take your kids, take your grandkids, whatever you got, uh, you know, take the neighbor kid, whatever. Uh, like this thing needs to the organic growth needs to happen again. And I would like to see the Kings sort of recover some of this fan base that they've lost over the last uh, couple of years. So outside of that, uh, again, with Twitter uh, getting all funky and weird, uh, make sure you subscribe to the Kings Beat uh, because that way we at least have the connection here that you guys will get your email every day. You'll know what's happening. You'll know what's going on with uh, the Kings Beat if you don't see us on Twitter every day, if that does in fact happen. Um, All right, we got a jet. So four. 
Fox 40s, Sean Cunningham, and Brendan Nunez from the King's Pulse oh. podcast. I'm James Hamm, King's Insider for ESPN 1320 and the King's Beat. Thanks for joining us here on the King's Beat. We'll see you next week. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.